How did Native Americans contribute to the United States Army from its founding until today? What were the struggles they faced for equality within the Army? And who were some of the most notable Native Americans that demonstrated Army values? For answers to these questions and more Army History Insights, stay tuned. Welcome to the U.S. Army History and Heritage Podcast, the official podcast of the United States Army's Center of Military History. The Center of Military History writes and publishes the Army's official history, manages the U.S. Army Museum Enterprise, and provides historical support throughout the U.S. Army. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the United States Army History and Heritage Podcast. I'm Lee Reynolds, the Strategic Communications Officer for the Center of Military History. In this episode, we're focusing on the role of Native Americans in Army history. Joining me for this discussion is retired Army Warrant Officer and Archivist at the Center of Military History, Christine Rodriguez. Thanks, Chris, for joining me. My pleasure. All right, so a little background on Chris. Uh, she is a retired Army Warrant Officer who served in the Army Intelligence Community, in the Army National Guard, and in the Army Reserve. She was an all-source intelligence analyst and flight operations NCO before becoming a Warrant Officer in 2009. And then she continued to work as an all-source intelligence analyst. She retired from the Army Reserve way back in 2022, <laughs> so just recently. Chris has studied military history, historic preservation, and museum studies, and she joined the Center of Military History as an archivist in 2015. She's also a senior memorial associate at the Military Women's Memorial at Arlington National Cemetery. Chris is a native, uh, Chris, excuse me, Chris is of Native American and Mexican descent, and as a historian, she has studied Native American history all her life. Well, that's uh, that's pretty fascinating. A fascinating background in the military. Yes. Yeah. So, an intelligence analyst, basically your entire career, and then um, you have this deep love for history and museum I sciences. I do. I do. <laughs> I occasionally will quote statistics <laughs> somewhere and. They'll look at me strange. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, thank you so much for being here and uh, talking about the history of Native Americans in the Army. So w really, we want to start with the time period of the Revolutionary War going forward. Uh, but before we talk about that, let's set up the setting. So uh, at the time the American Revolution began, or in 1775, um, how many Native Americans were there and how many tribes? You know, Just talk about that. For colonial America, there was, I think it's estimated about 250,000. Mm -hmm. uh, and then for distinct tribes, uh, recognized around 80. 80 maybe, different tribes. Yeah, 80, give or take. And you were talking colonial America, so really from like Florida up to Maine or? Uh, more like uh, Georgia. Georgia. Florida was part of uh, Spain at the time. Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah. okay. So, but yeah. Right. Uh, Georgia, South Carolina, clear up to Maine. How would you describe their relationship with colonial America? You had those who believed and supported the British and those who believed and supported infant America. Okay, so the relationship, I mean, was it tense at the time? There were the occasional incidents in, you know, uh, 
tribes and mm-hmm. uh, or whites attacking tribes, tribes okay, attacking. Right. But overall, if you look at it, you had those who mm-hmm. believed that the British were were uh, good and those that believed the Americans would be good. Right. So during the war, some Native Americans sided with the British and some sided with the colonials. So um, why would they side with one side or, or the other? What was their driving purpose in, in supporting one side or another? Primary cause, I believe, was land, mm. that they could keep the land that they now currently possessed under whatever treaty or agreement, um, that maybe they could gain more land, some of their ancestral land back, mm-hmm. um, and that they could be recognized as with rights. So both sides were kind of promising this to Yes, them at both the time. sides were promising. Um, and for the revolution, you had more, I believe, Native Americans join the British mm-hmm. because the British were offering or giving a better, better deal. Right. Yes, you will get and, and they probably thought the British were going to win too. So they, I, I, yeah. <laughs> they were hedging their bets, weren't they? Yes, I think, okay. I think so. <laughs> so let's talk about some of those that uh, supported the, uh, the American cause. I, and I think there's, there's one, and actually it's a woman who, that, that yes. we've talked about. Yes, um, yeah. a member of the Oneida tribe. The Oneida or, or the Oneida, I'm not sure on yeah. the pronunciation of that. She was, and, and her name, um, I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce. It's very difficult for me. But I think the English translation was Two Kettles Together. Yes. What was her name? So so tell me about her story. Um, she was the wife of an Oneida warrior who was serving with the American Continental uh, Army. And that was Han Yeri? Yes. And she probably was like many other women, a camp follower. Where her husband went, she went. Mm-hmm. Well, in a battle, and it escapes my mind, um, her husband got injured. His, I guess his shooting hand was injured, mm-hmm. so he could not refill his uh, flintlock uh, pistol. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what she did, and then she wound up starting to, to also shoot. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I think she was in another battle mm-hmm. also. But there were there were a lot of other Native Americans. Yes. Uh, we don't really have a list of, of, of people by name, but— but they definitely did contribute to both sides. Yes, yes. And with promises. Uh, promises by both gain. sides that mm-hmm. they would gain, it, keep their land or gain their land. Or just yeah. doing it in hopes that that would happen yes. too. They, and it, it, they didn't all join just because of promises. But Correct. They, they thought maybe they would get something out of it. So at the end of the war, uh, what happened? Did they, did they benefit at all? No, they lost out big time. Uh, what is it? The the Treaty of Paris in in Paris mm-hmm. by the, both the British and the Americans basically ignored, overlooked the Native American population. So the treaty was just between those two empire, you know, those two and right the Native Americans lost. But then, what was the effect on the tribes? So as as we mentioned, many more Native Americans supported the British, but now the British lost and are gone. So how did that affect the relationship between the colonials and the Native Americans? Well, for one thing, the war itself broke up the the famous, well-known Iroquois Confederacy. And what region was that? That was... Um, uh, it's northeast, right? Northeast. So uh, New York North. Okay. Uh, and Iroquois, Seneca, um, Oneida. So there were six tribes, I believe, that made it up. And two tribes mm-hmm. sided with the Americans 
and the others sided with the British. Mm-hmm. That being said, you also had indiv- independent tribes here and there that were trying to maintain neutrality. And the war, the war ended. Those who had sided with the British lost land. Mm-hmm. Those who had sided with the Americans, they even lost land. Right. It didn't, they didn't gain what they thought they would. Mm-hmm. And this would be a recurring theme. Yes. As, as, as we move forward. Yes. Um, but let's jump up now. So after the American Revolution, we did westward expansion. Mm-hmm. So most notably, the Army-led Lewis and Clark expedition. Yes. Lewis and Clark could not have been successful without the help of a very famous Native American. <laughs> so why don't, why don't you talk about that? That would be Sacagawea. Sacagawea. At the time of the Lewis and Clark expedition, she was married to a French uh, fur trapper. Last name was, uh, I believe, Chabillon. And Sacagawea, uh, in my mind, she had been kidnapped from her original mm-hmm. tribe years earlier and then traded by other Native by Americans, other Native American yeah. tribes mm-hmm. and then wound up further east and... Mm-hmm. Became became partner wife of right. of Chabillon at some point, but um, she also had the ability to understand people, read people, pick up language. Mm-hmm. Oh, she was great at negotiation. Yes, um, but she helped the Lewis and Clark expedition. Yes, um, not only with you know where to go, directions, but paving their way or through. Tribal lands. Yes, through other tribes. So she 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 knew where some tribes tribal lands were mm-hmm. and perhaps how to avoid uh, uh, inc- uh, incurring their land or mm-hmm. trespassing right um, and she figured she knew some ways of how to keep the peace right. a lot of their success yes. w- w- was due to to her yes moving forward then past uh, the Lewis and Clark expedition the next significant battle in American history or, 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 or war is the War of 1812. So how did Native Americans participate in this? Um, Native Americans, particularly, I believe, the, the Cherokee and uh, I think Choctaw, mm-hmm. um, they worked or they served with Andrew Jackson during the Battle of Orleans. But again, why? All right, so they served in the Revolutionary War, Promises made, promises broken. <laughs> yes, yes. Why are they serving again? Why are they stepping up to serve? They're showing loyalty to America and property or land, I should mm-hmm. say, not property, land. They're, they're, again, they want to retain the land they have, if not regain some of their ancestral land that they have had to mm-hmm. sell off or such. Right. And um, so they, but uh, they played a key role in in many of the battles, not just New Orleans. And what kind of role did they play? Um, How were they used? They were scouts, runners, messengers, mm. you know, because mm. that was before the tele, uh, yeah, Morse before code, yeah. te- mm. telephones, etc. So you needed somebody, people who could run fast, ride a horse fast, knew the land right. to get from A to B to mm-hmm. send a message. Taking advantage of their special skills. Yes. Right, which we would call, um, I think later on, the American Army starts referring to them as warrior skills. Yes. They, so they served in, in, in the War of 1812. Uh, they served um, really very, very uh, patriotically under uh, um, Andrew Jackson. Um, but then what happens after the War of 1812? About... 
20, 25 years later, several states basically say, we want the Native American gone, we want their land. Mm -hmm. And they, I believe, go to Congress, petition to get the land. That is approved and it is signed off by uh, then-President Andrew Jackson, Mm -hmm. and it leads to the Trail of Tears. Right. And the Trail of Tears, it was the the Cherokee and who else? Cherokee, Choctaw, Cree, uh, So moving from the southeast... Uh, into what was then known as Indian Territory, the Indian Territory, which would eventually become Oklahoma Territory, mm-hmm. Oklahoma State. But then, before that happened, too, Andrew Jackson got involved in the Seminole Wars in yes. um, in Florida, Florida, in Florida, right? And uh, yeah, and that didn't end well. <laughs> no, not for, not for Andrew Jackson, right? And his yeah, yeah. So um, not not a good moment in in U.S. Army history there. But okay, so then uh, moving forward then to the Civil War, mm-hmm. again, Native Americans participated, but just as they did in the Revolutionary War, some supported the Confederacy, some supported the Union. Yes. And and was that basically because of where they were, regional? Uh, yes, yes. Um, and again, they supported it in the hopes that they could retain the land they had, mm-hmm. possibly regain, uh, gain new land. And keep, for some, keep the lifestyle they had. Okay, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because going back to uh, the Trail of Tears, by this point, the Creeks, Cherokee, Choctaws, etc., were called the civilized tribes because, primarily because they had adopted the white man's way. Oh, interesting. Yeah. They wore white white man's clothing they they talked like them they farmed they hunted they did a lot of things and that included enslaved people so who did they enslave was it other tribal members or or white people there may have been some enemy tribal members Mm -hmm. but um eventually it was african-americans so they maintained african-american slaves yeah that being said i did not know that that's a that's interesting yeah it it wasn't every Cherokee right, or every, no. you know, it was some, but not a lot. But they considered it because they mimicked what was happening in white society. Mm-hmm. So so they took that on and they were referred to as the civilized tribes yes. because they adopted many of these Correct. things that the whites Correct. were doing. And by the time they got to Florida and the Civil War happened, you had uh, Native Americans who wanted to keep their lifestyle, mm-hmm. whether that inc- whether or not that included enslaved people, but you also had Native Americans who were um, abolitionists. Well, there were about thirty five hundred Native Americans that also served in the Union Army. Yes, and for similar reasons, mm-hmm. again, the role that Native Americans were used for. Um, how were they used? Well, there was one unit uh, on the Union side. It was a Home Guard unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so their job was to patrol Oklahoma, and Oklahoma oh. became quite a bloody territory, kind of like, it's not mentioned, but it's my interpretation, kind of like Kansas-Missouri mm-hmm. border wars. Right. That was part of Oklahoma because you had the, the pro, the mm-hmm. Confederacy Native Americans and the Union Native Americans, so you had that. You also had um, some uh, units that were composed of Native Americans that fought and served uh, under the Native Commanders, like uh, Stan White for the Confederacy. Okay. Um, so the Native Americans who served in the Civil War um, for the Union, you're mentioning that some units were just like uh, Native American units? Yeah. But did that did they also like serve small. with 
white units as they well? Would have pro- they would have fallen under a white unit. Okay. All right. Um, and then the Confederacy, how were they used there? What, what, I mean, they probably used the same skills. But same skills, but... Were they segregated units? Um, I'm going to say yes, mm-hmm. because... Stan White was, I believe, a plantation owner with enslaved people, mm-hmm. and the Confederacy made him a general. So most of the Native Americans of, uh, who fought on the Confederacy side likely would have fought under his okay. command. And then Civil War ends. Um, what happened with the Native Americans? The promises that they were made? Not kept. Not so, kept again. So, you know, they may have kept what land they had, but they mm-hmm. didn't gain anything. Mm-hmm. Again, they lost. And in terms of um, the Kansas-Missouri Kansas border, uh, it was even harsher for the Native mm-hmm. Americans of Oklahoma. Several thousand, if not more, right. died. So w- what about the veterans, uh, those who served? Were they treated any differently? Did they receive any benefits from the U.S. government? Because they were not citizens. Correct. Yeah, at this they point, were not Native citizens. Americans still are not American not citizens. Not that I could find. Okay. So if, if they received anything, it's it's probably minimal. Exactly. Um, but then in 1866, Congress authorized um, the scouts. Yes. The uh, the uh, Native American scouts. Uh, about a thousand of them. Is that right? Right. Right. So uh, talk about who they were, what they did. These were Native Americans from across the country. Mm-hmm. And they joined the the, uh, the army as a scout, and their jobs were to basically scout on enemy Native Americans, provide uh, the information that army troops would need for mm-hmm. a battle. Right. So, uh, and which brings us into the that time period where we had the Indian Wars, mm-hmm. uh, the Indian campaigns, the Indian Wars. I'm just curious, why would Native Americans? serve as scouts in the American army who are fighting Native Americans. What was their motivation? There were there were several. One, to prove their loyalty. To the United States? To the United States. That could be the individual. That could be the individual representing his local tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, two, to um, perhaps gain enough land for their own little homestead, mm-hmm. you know, 50 acres, 100 acres or such. But, to, but also because there was traditional... Um, between tribes. So yes. you're talking about yeah. the issues traditional between tribes. Traditional dislikes. Dislikes, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, like, so uh, by serving for the Americans in a war against a certain tribe, they were benefiting yes. their own tribe because they're taking out um, their the ancient grievances. Yes, yes, yeah. their okay. ancient enemy. Mm-hmm. And they're okay, right? Uh, they're longstanding enemy. Mm-hmm. So the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Uh, In this case, back to yeah. That. And then you, I think you mentioned um, not just land, but there were other economic reasons why they fought because the American government would give them or their families, their tribes, money and food. And- exactly, and that would enable them to help feed mm-hmm. their family, their tribe. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's interesting because for a long time I had wondered why were Native Americans helping in these wars, but but your explanation just ma- makes a lot of sense. And what's interesting about the um, the Indian Wars, the, the contribution of these scouts were, were tremendous. I mean, they fought, they fought hard. Um, again, this warrior spirit that we talked about before, and we're going to see again in some future conflicts, um, they really proved themselves to be tough warriors. And 12, at least 12, I think it was, 
uh, Native Americans were awarded the Medal of Honor. And what surprised me was years later when, when uh, I think Congress would review mm-hmm. all the Medal of Honors that had been awarded, yeah. uh, none of them were pulled. And yeah. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. kind of, I am really shocked yeah. that none of the Native Americans were pulled. Their, their background is warriors. Yes. You know, really, uh, they really lived up to that, uh, those ex- expectations. And now let's, let's move forward to the Spanish-American War. Mm-hmm. Again, they, they are not U.S. citizens. No. But they volunteer. They volunteer. About how many volunteered, you know? I think it was like about 1,000. 1,000 again. Yeah. And w- uh, with who did they serve? Who else? The Rough Riders. The Teddy, Rough Riders. Ro- <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt's Rough Riders. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so they went to Cuba with the Rough Riders. Now, were they segregated or were they mixed in no, with No, they the- were part of the Rough Riders. So it okay. wasn't segregated. Mm-hmm. It was everybody in one, one group. Okay, so they were mixed in. Yes, they were, so mixed, they were mixed in. in. Unlike uh, there were some black units there under Correct. then, was it Lieutenant Pershing? Um, yeah, I think so. He, yeah, so he had, a, uh, I think, uh, some of the black soldiers, but those were segregated. Correct. But Native Americans were not. No, no. How were they used? As scouts. Right, yeah. And again, their motivation for volunteering? Uh, show their loyalty to America mm-hmm. and retain whatever land that they met, might have mm-hmm. had. And then uh, I think another, I think, in, uh, interesting piece to this is uh, there were Lakota, four Lakota women. Yes, yes. Who, uh, who served during this time period as nurses. Yes, they were sisters, and they, yeah, they were all Lakota uh, mm-hmm. nurses, and they went over to Cuba as uh, nurses doctoring. And I, I think it was noted here that the nuns were much beloved by the soldiers and praised by the Surgeon General. Yes. As the only sisters who came with the army to Cuba and remained. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a really significant com- um, contribution there. Yes. Now let's move forward another 15 plus years, no, um, almost 20 years, uh, to the First World War. Mm-hmm. Native Americans are not American citizens. Correct. So when the draft happened, no Native Americans were drafted, but they, they volunteered, volunteered again. Yes. Again. Yes. And about how many served? Around 12,000. 12, okay, 12,000. Yeah. Wow. It's significant. You know, we've talked a lot about that warrior culture for them, there, that what we call today that warrior ethos, right? Yes, um, yeah. But then they've, they just demonstrated those, uh, those skills so much. So going into World War I, they were known – the Native Americans were known for being tough, really tough fighters. Mm-hmm. So how were they used? In World War One, based on that, they were used as um, trackers, as runners, infantry, anything that re- well, I shouldn't say anything, but if it requires some stealth, mm-hmm. then it was thought that because they were Native Americans and they had always snuck up on the on the whites, that they could still do that and mm-hmm. do that with the enemy. It did not work well for Native Americans. They had a high attrition rate of of death. Yeah, I think they had by the enemy. They, they, they had a higher attrition rate than uh, than white soldiers. Yes, I I know uh, the black soldiers in World War One also had a very high attrition rate mm-hmm. because of these assignments that they received. Right, right, and the belief that well, they're Native American, they know how to do this. Right, so mm-hmm. send them forward again. They served because of they wanted to prove their loyalty mm-hmm. and to retain land, perhaps get land. Perhaps pr- finally proved that they were worthy to be a citizen. Another very significant contribution during World War One 
by the Native Americans, we most people usually, and I did, uh, associate it with World War II, but it's the code talkers. Yes, yes. And um, this is the first time, at least in, in, in Army history, where we see Native Americans being used um, uh, not just as those warriors – but for uh, for signals for for communication, right? Uh, because the Germans were uh, intercepting exactly, exactly, our and mm -hmm. yeah, and it took a couple of people to think how can we how can we fix this, and whether it was a white officer who had the brilliant idea or perhaps the the Native Americans themselves, mm -hmm. they were able to communicate to others in the chain, right? On, through the through the telephone mm -hmm. um, actions that the not, that the Germans were were taking that mm -hmm. couldn't be interpreted. Yeah, and and I think it was the uh, 105th Field Artillery Battalion in the 30th Infantry Division mm -hmm. that really f uh, first saw the use of this. It yeah. was the uh, the Eastern Band Cherokee. Yes, and it was uh, the, their language mm -hmm. that they they started to use that, but it became so effective, right? Other that it spread throughout. The American Expeditionary Force. Yes, yeah. So other tribes used it, used used their language to get messages. Right, and I think it was uh, during the Somme Offensive that um, the Eastern Cherokee uh, really first used that. Mm -hmm. um, and then, then the Choctaw, they're probably the most documented group during World yes. War One as code talkers. Um, and then we had the Cheyenne, the Cherokee, Comanche, Ho Chunk, the Osage. Uh, if I'm pronouncing that right, I'm not sure. And then Osage. the Yankton Sioux, mm -hmm. Osage, is it? Or? Yeah, Osage. They all provided uh, code talkers during World War One, but the Choctaw code talkers, uh, uh, they served the 142nd, the 143rd, and 36th Infantry Divisions, mm -hmm. and made a, a very strong impact. Yes. Um, and again, we talked about the integration, right? So Native Americans were integrated mm -hmm. with units. Whereas we know the black soldiers were not. But there was a couple that were entirely Native American. Predominantly, yeah. And those happen to be, uh, I believe, National Guard units. Uh, and that's because of where they were um, mm -hmm. uh, organized out of. Out of uh, Mainly out of Oklahoma, I think. One, one out of Oklahoma and then one, I think, on the Oklahoma-Texas border. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they were composed primarily of Native Americans. Some female Native Americans also served, and in, in what capacity? Uh, they were as nurses, and um, they actually worked from Canada. Worked from or for Canada? From Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, the Canadian government did not believe, uh, oh. this is my memory, mm -hmm. that Native American women uh, were capable of such learning. So they could not be. They mm -hmm. could not go to nursing school in Canada. Oh, okay. But so the U.S. Down. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think some of these women did it through uh, Episcopal Church. And a lot of them worked with the Red Cross. Yes. Uh, during that time period, so a lot of a lot of contributions. Yes. Um, from the Native Americans and significant ones. I mean, the the co talkers mm -hmm. uh, played such a crucial role. And then having the nurses was always great. Yeah, and, but, and for the women, some of them came back and they continued in the nursing field. Mm -hmm. I think one of them was even when they went back to Canada, they were able to work as a nurse. Oh, okay. Couldn't train as a nurse, but... How interesting. Yeah. And then their actions received them a lot of very significant uh, awards. Yes. 27 uh, Native American soldiers received the French Croix de Guerre. Uh, one also received the, the Belgian Crow to gear. Let's see, we also had silver stars that were awarded. 
uh, as well as, as others. And um, they were acknowledged and awarded for their heroism yes. during the war as well. So they made significant contributions. Correct. Because, as you said, they wanted to show their loyalty and their patriotism. Um, they're hoping at some day to get citizenship. Yes. What was the result of their contributions in World War One for these veterans? For the veterans, uh, in 1919, the veterans were granted U.S. citizenship. I believe that also extended to their uh, immediate family. Okay. Particularly if they had a wife. I'm not too sure about mm. the children, mm -hmm. but at least the veteran and their spouse uh became U.S. citizens. So that was in 1919. 1919. And it wasn't until 1924. That Congress amended and allowed all Native Americans finally yeah. to be considered U.S. citizens. So 1924, Native Americans became U.S. citizens. And a lot of this was driven because of their dedication, their loyalty. Their actions of World War I. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, 1921, uh, the U.S. decides to create a Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Yes. Just like, I guess we had seen many other countries France, in Europe were Britain, doing it. Yeah, other right. countries had done this. So this became a great honor. It was a, a very big thing at the time. Um, and, of course, Arlington National Cemetery was the location that it was mm -hmm. decided. But General Pershing personally was going to decide who was going to be the pallbearers. Yes. There were going to be six pallbearers. So how was that decision made? As best I can interpret, he was given... I'll say several stacks of military personnel who had served in World War I overseas. It did not matter the branch. So you had he mm -hmm. looked at Army, Navy, oh, okay. and Marine. Mm -hmm. Okay. He looked at all of them. And uh, from that pile of however many files, mm -hmm. um, he selected, I want to say, either a total of eight or nine okay. members. So you have the pallbearers. Paul, Paul mm -hmm. You have the, uh, I believe, sergeant who selected the casket. Mm -hmm. um, and then at least one other, and it escapes my mind. But Pershing made that personal. Right. He selected. One of them was the Native American. Yes, yes. Uh, it was uh, Corporal Thomas D. Saunders uh, from uh, Northern Cheyenne in Wyoming. Yes. So he served with the um, engineers in the 2nd Division. Um, and he saw action in Chateau Terry. Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, he received the, the Croix de Guerre with Gold Star for leading a patrol under heavy attack. And um, so, yeah, he was one of the pallbearers at the, for the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier uh, on November 11th, 1921. Handpicked by General Pershing. Yeah, and he followed, you know, he was one of those pallbearers that started in France mm -hmm. and was there after oh, the yeah. sergeant went into the room mm -hmm. and picked. And then from that moment on for like the next, I don't know, 10, I forget, 10, 15 days, mm -hmm. he was with that coffin. Right. Yeah, I think basket. they all remained yes. uh, with, with the coffin from start to finish. Yes. And uh, all right, good. And now also there was another. Native American who played a significant role in the ceremony at uh, on November 11th, 1921. So uh, who was that and, and why that was, was he there? That um, was Chief Plenty Coup. And he was a Crow Indian, mm -hmm. and he had served the U.S. military as a scout uh, years earlier during mm -hmm. the Indian Wars. Mm -hmm. And his, uh, his role, 
he was selected to represent all Native Americans who had fought, at least in World War One. And um, I know he placed some sacred items, sacred to him mm-hmm. and the Crow Nation, uh, on that casket as right. it was lowered down. And, and I believe the Arlington National Cemetery still maintains that. Um, yes. Uh, those are still artifacts that mm-hmm. can be seen. Um, they have a museum there. I'm not sure if it's on display now, but they, they do maintain those. So right. then we talked about already 1924. They are now citizens. Uh, Native Americans are. We get to World War II. So now as citizens, they could be drafted. Correct. So a lot of Native Americans were drafted, but most of those who served, which was, what, 40,000? Correct. And then 800 women yes. uh, from Native American communities served, but most of the 40,000 were not drafted. No, they volunteered. A lot of them volunteered, and they even raised uh, for Native Americans uh, across the country. Uh, they were uh, a significant donation donate donor uh for war bonds oh yeah oh yeah. wow and i mean several million dollars mm-hmm. in war bonds and if you think about reservations today you you just have to think well 50 70 years ago that was even worse and harder mm-hmm. how could you but yeah they yeah. contributed monetarily to war bonds and Morally, physically, etc., with, right. with men and women. So they were actually actively recruited based on our lessons from World War One. Yes, as code talkers. As code talkers, there's the the famous group of uh, for the Marines with mm-hmm. using the Navajos, but the U.S. Army also used tribes such as I believe again the Choctaw, mm-hmm. uh, Cherokee, and several others. Right. Uh, for their for their forces in Europe and even uh, in the Pacific. And in the Pacific, too. Yeah. I mean, we had, we had 22 divisions in the Pacific during World War II. Um, so they were they were used there as well. And, of course, um, you know, uh, we talked about the Marines, but one of the members who raised the flag at Iwo Jima was uh, notably uh, Native American Native as well. American, yes. Um, so, yeah, again, they, they and they served, again, with – Distinction. Yes. Uh, during World War II, and they were not uh, segregated like the blacks, uh, American um, African American soldiers were. So they were they were integrated. They were integrated, in, and in, then those that may have been in the National Guard unit, yes, went over with their National Guard unit. But yeah, they were integrated and uh, and used as regular soldiers, yes. but also as code talkers. Mm-hmm. So we start. We don't. We don't see the reliance on them as, you know, giving them the tough assignments, uh, the toughest assignments anymore. It's um, um, they're being used more uh, as regular soldiers are. Exactly, exactly. Transportation, mm-hmm. admin, uh, yeah, code talking. Uh, I'm sure some of them might have been in the medical field and uh, and, and such. So, right, yeah. right. So they, they were, were used throughout. Yeah. But not segregated. Correct. Yeah. Um, now, also, uh, so we have Alaska. Alaska is uh, not a state at the time. No. Um, it was a territory, an American territory. But the Native population in Alaska were also used. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Alaska has a chain of islands mm-hmm. that I think— The Aleutians. The Aleutian Islands, and I think the last island— that belongs to the U.S. is like maybe 20 miles from from uh, Russia, mm-hmm. not that far. But that's also where Japan 
decided right. to try and get a foothold. Mm-hmm. And so they attacked a couple of the Aleutian Islands, and mm-hmm. this would lead to the Alaska Territorial Guard being stood up as a defense force. Mm-hmm. And the, the primary members were uh, uh, Native, Native, Amer- Native Americans, Native Alaskans. Right. And they, I think they were termed, most of them, as uh, Eskimo scouts. Yes. So, again, now, now we're getting back to that, using them as scouts. Mm-hmm. Well, they knew the territory. Exactly. They had the skills for that type of environment. Right. So they were used by the Army as Eskimo scouts. And um, I don't know about initially, but eventually the uh, territorial scouts were both men and women. And, and I believe they were uh, as old as 80 and as young as 12 mm-hmm. volunteered. Yep. And again, they, they weren't drafted. No. These, are, these were volunteers. It was about 6,300 uh, people volunteered from 107 different communities yes. uh, within Alaska. So again, an, another significant contribution by these Native Americans uh, yes. as Eskimos. Um, now, they uh, Native Americans, they received um, five medals of honor yes. during, uh, during the war. Yeah. Five Medal of Honor, Native Americans in the Army. There were in the Army. El- yeah, that was the Army. In the Army, Army. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, and then, uh, so moving forward, we have the, uh, the, the Korean War. And again, now they could be drafted. Mm-hmm. So just, uh, just as in, in, in World War II. And, uh, but a lot of them volunteered again uh, and participated in just about every battle yes. in the Korean War. And another five Native Americans received the Medal of Honor during the Korean War. Yeah. And I believe one of those was even uh, Hawaiian. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Heartbreak Ridge, uh, that was one of the locations where, um, um, I'm, I'm going to mess up his name, uh, PFC Herbert Pililau. Yeah. Uh, he was 22. He, he, he was drafted and killed at Heartbreak Ridge, but he was awarded the Medal of Honor for his actions there. And, of course, at that point now, we started seeing the integrated units Yes. of African-Americans now uh, were being integrated into th- throughout the Army. Correct. So, yeah. But really, we, we didn't see too much um, segregation with the Native Americans. They were pretty much used because of their special skills. Correct. Sometimes the, there's, they may have been a, a Native American, but if their skin color was a little darker oh, mm-hmm. than what some whites thought, then yes, they may have been pushed into an African-American unit. Mm-hmm. Um, and if their skin color was light enough, mm-hmm. they may have been seen and perceived as being white. Um, but, you know, they had obstacles to fight throughout. Right. Um, yeah. And then we had women in the Korean War also, oh, okay. Native American women. And they serve as nurses, or what were they serving as at the Probably time? In the wax, they, I guess they were. Yes, that would have still been the wax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Primarily as nurses, but some as admin. And then we get to Vietnam. And again, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a draft. There's about 42,000 Native Americans served. and um, But again, uh, a lot of them volunteered. They didn't, yes. They didn't wait for the draft. And, they, and, and what were their reasons at this point for volunteering? Um, they had citizenship. They had citizenship. Um, a little bit probably had to do with keeping the land that they that mm-hmm. was part of the reservation because, you know, sometimes uranium is discovered here or there's a big, beautiful oh, yeah. forest and mm-hmm. wood and buildings, etc. Um, but also, uh, yeah, you could say the warrior ethos comes, came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Historically, they have been warriors. Here is an opportunity 
to be a warrior and right. serve in the family mm-hmm. uh, tradition. And perhaps for some of them, their father had served in World War II right. or World War I. It's that family tradition. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And briefly, it would allow them time away from the reservation to see another part of the country, another part of the world. Oh, but more often than not, you know, when they finished their, their tour or the enlistment, whatever period that they signed up for, a lot of them would go back home. And a lot of them, again, uh, you know, they served honorably yes. and, and with great distinction, several medals of honor again. And, um, you know, um, one of the recipients of the Medal of Honor uh, that we've highlighted um, a lot is uh, Roy uh, Benavides. Yes. Um, yeah. He was a— in, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right. Yaki, 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 um, Indian, and uh, he was with Special Forces, and yeah, he he received a, a Medal of Honor, um, as did many others. Mm-hmm. So again, great great distinction um, uh, of service um, in in the Army. Um, but now you know, moving forward in, into the Cold War, we've got um, the Native Americans are basically. Uh, at this point, after Vietnam, it's all volunteer. Mm-hmm. And again, Native Americans continue to volunteer. Yes. Um, in and, spite and of what? Number. Yeah, and, and in a high number, right. And again, in, in spite of maybe some political issues mm-hmm. between tribes and the American government, but they still are patriotic. They're still loyal to the nation, serving the nation. And then again, uh, same reasons family, family, legacy, yes, and tradition. It- they're serving the U.S. nation, and then they're serving their nation. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, they're getting – they're following family history. If there's a warrior in the family, I will be a warrior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want that opportunity to serve my country. Um, 9-11 uh, takes place uh, September 11th, 2001, and there are, what, 188 Native Americans – I think who were killed or yes. wounded in Operation uh, was Enduring, it? Enduring Freedom, Freedom in Iraqi yeah. Freedom and yes. forty three uh, in, um, in in Iraqi Freedom. Okay, um, but let's talk about Private Lori Ann. Uh, Lori Ann Piestua. Piestua, and who was she, and why um, why is she significant? She is considered the first. She is the first Native American female to be killed in action. Mm. She was of Hopi and, I believe, Navajo descent. Mm-hmm. Um, may have had been, been some Mexican-American in there, but I believe it's predominantly Hopi and Native American. And she was, uh, she was with the Quartermaster Corps attached to the 507th Maintenance Company, Fort Bliss, Texas. She deployed to Iraq um, after the 2003 U.S.-led invasion. And so she was, the, as you say, the first Native American female ever killed in um, in action in action yeah so where do we stand today today um <laughs> probably about twelve thousand, maybe serving in the military mm-hmm. uh, across the board and um roughly about 19 percent of all native americans have served in the armed forces versus that, that's that's a very high average compared correct. to the, the regular american population. exactly population. exactly and native american <laughs> population is small compared mm-hmm. to everybody else. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to use a number and say there are, uh, I'll say, 46 million African Americans mm-hmm. and 2.5 Native Americans out there. Okay. But 
nineteen percent of those two point five have served. Right. Yeah. And um, overall, I think you've um, told me that it's twenty two Native Americans have earned the Medal of Honor within the Army. In the Army. In the right. Army. Mm-hmm. In the Army. It's, it's a higher number across the branches, but mm-hmm. I didn't pay attention to that detail. Right. And okay, well, great. Is there anything else? Uh, any any key points that you you want to highlight that we didn't address? What I wanted to mention in my in my research, and we're going to use this as our Hua trivia. Yeah, was okay. Wes Studi, the Native American actor, served in Vietnam. Oh, yeah. What has he been in? Um, Last of the Mohicans was the, one of the biggest movies. Mm-hmm. I think he played Geronimo in the movie Geronimo that also oh, starred right. a young Matt yeah. Damon. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm sure there are others out there, but those are the two that just come to mind like right. that. All right. Well, great. Well, th- this has been fascinating. It's, it's a good uh, overview of how Native Americans have contributed uh, to the U.S. Army. I, I, I know I've learned a lot of information here today, so thank you so much. Hey, you're welcome. Uh, Chris, this has been uh, fascinating. My pleasure. Um, yeah, thank you. And now if anyone else wants to learn more about Native Americans in the U.S. Army or Army history in general, then I encourage you to explore our website at history.army.mil. And if you want to experience Army history every day, then visit our social media sites on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please join us every week on this podcast for more in-depth discussions about Army history as we cover topics from all eras of the U.S. Army, examining battles, soldier experiences, equipment, weapons, and tactics. Thanks for joining us today on the United States Army History and Heritage Podcast. For the Center of Military History, I'm Lee Reynolds, and until next time, we're history. The views expressed in this podcast reflect those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views, policies, or opinions of the U.S. Army or Department of Defense. For more information about the Army's proud history and heritage, go to history.army.mil.com.